Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. If the same spirit. But if the, if the spirit. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's Holy Spirit. Right? Amen. The spirit is Holy Spirit. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And that life to your mortal bodies is such a large statement. How many have been dead even though you were breathing? Anybody been there? So he wants to give life. But this is the power of the church. The same spirit dwells in all of us. Amen. Same spirit that saved me saves you. The same spirit that baptizes you baptizes me. So we have the same spirit. We ought to be in unity, right? Amen. We ought to be able to get through things. Amen? Amen. I mean, we could, we could even disagree and still love one another. We're the church. Amen? Amen. That's why freedom has stayed so strong through this pandemic, because even when you weren't able to come to church, you were part of the church. Same spirit. Some of you prayed when you weren't here. You gave, and the Lord just, you know, said, you taught me, son, stop worrying. Anybody ever have the Holy Spirit tell you that? Just stop. Because the same spirit, the Holy Spirit is within all of us. And if, if sometimes you need to wake up on occasion... Because the fruits that we bear sometimes are the fruits of the flesh rather than the fruits of the Spirit. And so we've been talking about the, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the, uh, the, excuse me, the fruit of the Spirit, which is the fruit that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness. Wow, I, just, I could preach on faithfulness for a long time. And then they went and sang faithful today. Uh, and then gentleness and self-control. So I've just about preached my way all the way through the fruit of the Spirit. Why should we do this? Because we need to bear the fruit of the Spirit now. We cannot be deceived. We have to bear. Listen, we must allow the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our life. The world needs good fruit. I said the world needs good fruit. And we are the ones that bear that good fruit. Now, the, the reality is, if you read Galatians 5, it begins with the uh, acts of the flesh, the carnal nature, 21, and adultery, and fornication, and uncleanness, and lewdness, idolatry. How many know somebody that's living in adultery right now? Don't point at the person you're next to. Don't do that. Don't be looking down the aisle. Stop it. Okay. Uh, okay, if you've ever committed fornication, don't lift your hand right now. All of you. Wow. Okay, so you didn't hear the question. How many know that some people commit fornication and it wasn't even physical? That's what the Bible says, right? And uncleanness, just general uncleanness, allowing godlessness to be a part of our lives. Uh, just, you know, just walking in it, lewdness, idolatry. I'm not going to talk about all of these, but... Uh, you know, outbursts of wrath. Anybody there? Anybody got mad you should have held your tongue before? Where are you? Okay, just me and four or five. How many? I mean, I'm talking about this morning before you. Yeah, at, at breakfast. <laughs> Dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So he says, basically, and the like means I could go on and on and on and on. Uh, and then there are the fruits of the Spirit. It's kind of like the NFL draft, okay? Uh, who are you choosing to play on your team this week? The draft was this week. Anybody knew the NFL draft just took place? Is there anybody that really doesn't care about that? Okay, but all right. So uh, 
It's all right. I, I don't care if you don't care. Okay, but here's what happens. All these people with all this... All these resources stand out, and they select certain individuals from all these college teams to play for them. All right? Now, you select who's going to play on your team constantly. All right? You say, you know, the devil made me do that. Nope. You did that all on your own. The devil was cheering you on and leveraging perhaps your heart wounds to get you to live that way. How I many know most people that are in, in sexual brokenness right now, they don't necessarily want to be, but they think that that brokenness will fix them. And you can actually hear the terminology, I just want to be happy. Okay? Basically, that means I am sick in my soul. I can't be content. But if I do this, the, how I many know, again, the devil is a liar? I love saying that. So, I want you to choose today. Today, I want you to choose pineapple, or gentleness, okay? Gentleness. So, I chose this because we don't realize what gentleness is. We think gentleness is weakness. But gentleness is strength under pressure. This fruit can fall from a tree land on the ground, and still be fresh. Anybody ever taken a fall before? Anybody ever done that? You taken a fall? And how many, how many know that if it breaks open, there is sweetness inside of it? You can cut it up and put it on your shish kebab, okay? You can put it on your ice cream. You can make juice out of it. I mean, it, how many know it's good stuff? Pineapple. I love me some pineapple. Diane will cut it up and make it a sweet and sour chicken, but the sweetness is like the pineapple she'll cut up, and I don't want to talk about that because it's 12, 15, and some of you will leave because you're hungry. So I want to talk to you about... Uh, gentleness, all right? Whoever gets that first after church can have it, all right? But don't fight. <laughs> gentleness, strength under pressure. I want to give you a fresh understanding of gentleness because I don't think we have it. Oh, you're so gentle. Have you ever been mad and the Holy Spirit told you to hush? Yeah. I'm give me a hand clap for that right there, all right? <laughs> hush. Uh, and it's not that you shouldn't resolve your conflict, but there are moments in your life where the Spirit of God will prompt you to do the opposite of what flesh wants to do. And I mean exactly the opposite. I am never talking to them again. Holy Spirit says, give them a call. Right? I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And he says, why don't you give them a piece of my mind? Holy Spirit just has a way of working, but this is a place of great warfare. You, you wonder, you know, why would Holy Spirit do that? And I'm going to tell you this simply, okay? All right? The conflict that you are in is not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. You've got to hear me. All right? Have you heard the gospel before? Anybody ever heard the gospel? The gospel is about Jesus who ushers in the kingdom of God. All right? Is there anybody that is a part of the kingdom of God in this room? So the kingdom of God surpasses all other kingdoms. 
One day, every nation, every tribe, every tongue will bow down before Jesus and surrender to the kingdom of God. I just happen to have already done it. So whatever you're going through, you say it's about my feelings. The Lord wants you to feel better, but the Lord loves you enough to let you get tired of the way you've been doing business. I know you say my feelings are hurt. I've been disrespected. That's a big deal. We're my brothers in the house. Am I men in the house? We hate being disrespected. We just can't stand it. It's, I'm not saying the women that don't hate it too. But men, it's like respect. That's the big deal. Come on, you need to respect me. You know. Uh, but can I tell you, brothers, you're going to be disrespected. Can I tell you, sisters, you're going to be disrespected. Amen? You say, what do I do when these things happen? I want you to learn this, and there's a story that I, wanna, I want to use as a, as a platform, and it's in John chapter 18, okay? Anybody remember Peter? Peter is going to be like the lead apostle eventually, but in his early days, in his discipleship days, he like blew it all the time. I mean, I love that Peter was elevated because I also love reading the stories of Peter. Don't, don't you? I just love it. Peter's always kind of like me and you, opening his big mouth when he ought to keep his trap shut. He always doing that. One time, in fact, Jesus looked at Peter and said, uh, "Would get behind me, Satan. I mean, I, I, I don't know, but I'm thinking on occasion I have spoken uh, Satan words rather than Jesus words. Anybody else besides me so I don't feel like I'm the only one in the room? We're just flying by what I feel at that moment rather than listening to the Holy Spirit. So... In this moment, Jesus, they have prayed. They've been in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. Jesus also, uh, prior to that, has told uh, the disciples what's going to happen to him, that he's going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He's also told them uh, that he loves them and he's going to come back one day. But he's, he says, but first, I'm going to be, they're going to kill me. They're going to crucify me. But after three days, I'll rise again. He's actually expressed to them and told them what his work is on the planet. So Peter's got all this information. But even when he has all the information, he has a tendency to just kind of slide the truth to the side and do something else. So Judas betrays Jesus in the garden. The high priests are there. The chief priests are there, and they bring with them soldiers. So the guards are with them. Peter uh, is standing there as Judas betrays Jesus, and they're ready to take Jesus into custody. Now, Jesus has already shown some strength and some power uh, because he says the words they said, are you him? And Jesus says, I'm him. And he also tells them to leave his disciples alone. But Peter kind of gets crazy, and he pulls out his little sword. I don't know, he has a pocket knife or something, in his, and pulls it out. And he goes after a guy named Malchus. And he swings his sword and misses his head and slices off his ear. Now, this is a mess, all right? It's just a mess. Because Peter, uh, of course, Jesus looks at Peter and says, you need to, you need to stay your sword. Put your, put your sword away. That's not what this moment is about. But remember, Peter told him earlier, he said, Lord, if everybody else, everybody else leaves you, I'll never leave you. I'll even die for you. And so now Peter's trying to prove himself. 
Because Peter still hasn't gotten the concept of the kingdom of God yet. And because he hasn't figured out the kingdom of God yet, he's not listening to what he needs to be listening to. He's not watching for the kingdom of God. And so Peter pulls out his sword and he takes off Malchus's ear. Now Luke 22:51 if you you have to understand that the gospel of Luke gives you extra details of gospel stories because Peter Luke actually uh, works hard in order to prepare the gospel, interviewing individuals to get the rest of the story. Part of the rest of the story is Luke 22:51. Jesus after his ear gets chopped off, he touches his ear and healed him. Now I'm not sure how this works, all right? Because I cannot, I can't, look, I, this is, you see this pastor up here? I, I mean, I may be really cool, but I'm never getting my ears pierced. That looks painful. I'm telling you, I mean, I don't want a hole in my finger. I don't want it in my, I, you know, I'm not picking on people, okay? Pastor's talking about me right now. Get, get out of the flesh just for a minute. Come back to the spirit, all right? Uh, they cut his ear off. I think there is blood that is flowing out. I think Malchus is not going, hmm, somebody come. No, he's going, ah, somebody cut my ear off. I think suddenly this would be a great opportunity. Peter's probably saying, Jesus, let's run right now. He's bleeding. Let's go, everybody out the. And Jesus walks over to Malchus and he touches the bloody spot on his ear. And when he moves his hand, the blood is stopped and his ear is back in place. How many believe Malchus's life got changed right there? I mean, for the rest of his life, Malchus's life is changed. So the act of healing Jesus was mercy. It was gentleness. The act of cutting off Malchus's ear was rage. It was anger. It was just... It was just an outburst of godless emotion. So I want, you to I want you to embrace gentleness at this moment because Jesus does a lot of things that are weird. Like, remember when Jesus was crucified and before he dies, he looks out at the other soldiers and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now get this picture for a moment. Uh, why were the soldiers crucifying Jesus? Did they hate Jesus? Did they despise Jesus? Did they believe Jesus was bad? No, the soldiers were doing what they were ordered to do. Why was Malchus there with the priest? Do you think he signed up? Hey, we're going to go arrest Jesus and have him crucified. Malchus said, let me sign up for that. No, he worked for the priests. And so when, they, when, when they're in this particular moment, Jesus knows what's going on in the hearts and lives of people. He looked out at those soldiers who had murdered him and nailed him to the cross. And he had nothing but love for them. And he said, Father, forgive them. Now, look, I know that we're living in a really angry world. But we need to be spiritually aware of God's redeeming plan. I know you're mad at everybody. You don't know why people are standing where they're standing. You don't know everybody's sore, uh, everybody's situation. So would you do the kingdom of God a favor right now and put your sword back in its sheath and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work of healing and mercy as you display the, the power of spiritual gentleness. I know you're mad. I know you've 
threatened all your Facebook friends that you're mad and going to unfriend them? I'd like to say, whoop, whoop. Wow, that's good. Now they'll never talk to you again. Some folks are just intimidating. Anybody met anybody just intimidating and you just want to put them in their place? Sometimes we are intimidating. Have you ever met an intimidating Christian? Like, I'm not sure I want that person to pray for me. I don't even want to. Here they come. Listen, before you become totally unhinged about everybody, I want you to know the situation that you are in right now, being intimidated, it could very well be the Holy Ghost giving you an opportunity to be the kingdom of God. Stop sabotaging yourself. Your anger may be the result of your wounds. Your attitude may be something else, not the Holy Spirit. It's a sign of an area in your heart that needs to be healed, that is still subject to be triggered by the flesh. Stay cool. Let the Holy Spirit bear some fruit because rather than hurt somebody, maybe God wants you to heal somebody. God has a purpose in every situation that you find yourself in. I'm going to say that again. God has a purpose in every situation that you may find yourself in. And most every time, God is calling you to humility and meekness and gentleness. Look again at these fruits of the Spirit. You see them, love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Gentleness. The word gentleness is a translation of a word, literally a translation of the word praoutes, a Greek word, an ancient Greek word, which also is translated in the words meekness and humility. So gentleness, meekness, humility, all come from that word. I love the background on it because some of you don't like gentleness. You can't say, Pastor, why are you telling us to be gentle right now? We need to be fighting. Listen, gentleness was a word used in ancient Greek For a well-trained guard dog that would only attack at the word of his master. You like that better? So what I'm telling you is gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is controlled power. It's not saying, well, I don't have the power to defend myself right now. I don't have the power to outfight this individual. What he's saying is, is if you see me with the sword in my hand, it's going to be at the direction of the master. I'm strong enough to fight this battle, but I'm also strong enough to use gentleness as a weapon. Kind of reminds me of all you savage dads with Pastor Preston. Because when you say savage dad, it's not that you're just kicking everybody around. It's that when it comes to fatherhood, you're going to take care of your babies. And you're going to speak to them. And you're going to love them. And you're going to hold them. And you're going to teach them righteousness. You you know how to give guidance and provision and discipline. Remember, the same Jesus who came to Jerusalem meek and lowly, riding on a foal, riding on a donkey, is also the same Jesus that walked into the temple and got rid of all of the money changers by making a whip out of a cord. So at the right time, God will tell you to rise up, but you also need to be meek and lowly. we got to understand and embrace spiritual gentleness by submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit Rather than to our carnal nature that wants us to lash out at every situation. I ain't taking that anymore. I've had enough. Don't you, don't you cut me off in traffic. I'm, I'm, I'm 
No, no, just stop for a moment and realize that God has called you to the fruit of gentleness. And gentleness defeats the devil. I think Peter must have learned his lesson after that era incident. He must have. Because after the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and then by the Holy Spirit, he begins to write one of the books of the New Testament is Peter. First, Second Peter, if you look in 1 Peter 5, Peter says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Okay, just stop. Who should be submissive? To whom? All of you be a servant to one another. Which not, well, that except for some of you, right? No. All of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, which is a word for gentleness. And then he quotes a proverb that's quoted over and over because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Why do I lash out? Because I'm proud. Because I deserve to be treated differently. How many are grateful that God doesn't give you what you deserve? Anybody besides me? And then he says, God gives grace to the humble. And again, humility is that synonym. I, I saw someone post on social media the other day. I hope it's not you. Uh, be, the bigger, be the bigger person? Nah. I'm going to be whatever version of me someone deserves. It wasn't a, yeah, yeah, believer, I will write your stuff down. I will preach about it. Listen, I'll be whatever version of me. What version are you talking about right now of yourself? The, the godless version, the unsaved version? I'm, I'm going to be whatever they need right now. I'm going to correct. No, you can't fix everybody. You can't. The reason they're so mad and so broken and angry and always fighting is because of the wounds that are in their life and they need Jesus. Maybe that version of you that wants to give everybody what they deserve, maybe that version of you needs to hear the word of God. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility understands that we all need grace. In fact, I know me. I want to tell you something about me. I am no better than any of you. I'm no better than you. I could not save myself. Anybody besides me sinned? Anybody ever broken the commandments of God? Anybody, anybody was lost when you found Jesus? Interesting part of the scripture, however, in 1 Peter 5, is the scripture goes on to say uh, something else. He says... Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Now watch this because you're going to see something different. That he may exalt you in due time. Don't expect everybody else to exalt you. Everyone else is not going to celebrate you. Don't expect it. He will exalt you at the right time. Cast your care upon him. For when nobody else cares for you, he cares for you. Now watch this next phrase. Be sober. Don't be intoxicated on the things of the, uh, by the things of this world. Be sober and be vigilant. Watch out. Be vigilant. The enemy's trying to trick you. 
because your adversary, the devil, walks around, walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone whom he may devour. Now stop, because what we think, we only preach that. That's all we preach. you got to watch out for the devil. He's going around like a roaring lion seeking somebody. You forgot the comp that he was making here. There's a comp. He says, humble yourself. Be submissive. Be clothed in humility. Don't be full of pride. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I'm no better than anybody else. Don't be like the devil who's going around like a roaring lion. What? We're going around roaring at people. I don't want to be that guy who walks in the room and people are saying, oh, no, here comes Rick Hawker. You know he's going to be yelling at everybody. He ain't going to like anything. I don't want to be that customer at the store that always complains every time he comes in. I want to represent Jesus. I want my kids and my family and my neighbors to know that I love them. I love them when I don't like where they park. I love them when I don't like their noise. I love them all the time. I want to be a child of God. I don't want to I don't want to be a demonic roarer in my situation. You ain't heard that. You receive that? You can't get your marriage together if you're roaring all the time. I've been telling my wife we need to pray more. Why would she want to pray with you? Get over here. You won't pray, woman. Expecting you're going to manage your conflict. Can I tell you, you cannot roar your way through a marriage conflict. You can't. When you are in conflict, you should pray that God would make you both submissive. I just fixed somebody's marriage right there. Start by saying, help us submit to one another. You never see a couple come in having a struggle in their marriage because they're really wanting to submit to one another. No, what somebody is trying to do is overpower someone else. Am I preaching? So somebody says, this is what my struggle is, and the other person is looking for a way to help them, to serve them, to minister to them. You have to do that together. That's why you should reflectively communicate. Listen, all this yelling and screaming and fighting sounds like the devil to me. I'm going to humble myself. And I, I know, I know, you know, I get it. Some people just tick you off, right? You know some people that just, that person is going to, I get that. You can't always be around them, but you cannot allow the roaring of the devil to be passed on to you. Or, no, I'm not going to let you make me that way. I'm going to be gentle. Listen, I met some really mean Christians in my life. Really mean Christians. But hear me. You can't bully your way through every situation because God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, he will also reap. Don't be confused. Gentleness is not surrender. Gentleness is saying, devil, you will not use your angry and messed up servants to drag me into your pit. I belong to Jesus. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to love. I'm going to defeat you by loving those who are under your control. I'm going to, like Luke 6 says, I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to do good to those who hate me. I'm going to bless those who curse me. And pray for those who spitefully use me. 
Stay humble in your adversity. Stay humble. Peter said there, may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Anybody ever been through severe adversity? Everybody loves the Bible. How many read the Bible? So, but then sometimes we get to that place about adversity and how like nobody ever reads Job. You read Job? You're reading it right now? I mean... It's like, don't read that. You'll discover some things about God that you don't want to know. End up saying things like, even if I'm being slain, even if it feels like I'm being put to death, I'm going to trust God in every situation and watch what the Lord will do. Affliction, adversity, it's, it's a doctrine of scripture. We, we, we love the Bible. We get to those places and we just kind of flip through them as fast as we can. But it's strongly at the beginning of Jesus' ministry does anybody remember the sermon, the sermon on the Mount? Okay, now, he says, okay, I'm going to build a kingdom, and here's some of the things that are going to happen. Some of you are going to be poor in spirit, and some of you are going to mourn. Some of you are going to be, in, be meek and hunger and thirst, and some of you are just going to have to constantly be walking in mercy. You're going to have to work on your hearts, and you're going to make peace. You're going to be peacemakers. And, and you're going to be persecuted. In other words, he uses all those terms and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What? I didn't join this kingdom to be poor in spirit. I didn't join this kingdom if I'm going to have to mourn or if I'm going to have to be meek. He says, no, you're going to go through some situations like persecution. That's the way he began the teaching in the kingdom of God. When your spirit is broken, when you're mourning, when you're hungry and thirsty, and in situations where you have to be merciful, when your heart is pure because you've forgiven those who've assaulted you and brought peace into a situation that is consumed with violence, or you've been persecuted because you will not deny. Jesus and, 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 the un, and because unrighteousness has become popular in your culture Jesus says hang in there you may not feel like you have a place on the planet but I build a house for you in heaven don't give up stay gentle stay humble trust me don't let it make you bitter make it make you better I haven't got all this figured out, but one thing I know, our struggles transform us into humble people of God who will one day populate the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, for they will be comforted, for they will inherit the earth, for they will be filled, for they will be shown mercy, they will see God, they will be called the sons of God, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I'm not going to let the enemy use me as a pawn in this world. I can't win the kingdom of God with violence. I'm going to love people that hate me. I tell you, that's tough. Some people say, Pastor, please don't preach that anymore. Okay, I'll sing it. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. Anybody want to be like Jesus? Then you're going to be persecuted. Come on. You may be hated. Somebody say, that's all I ask. He will use all of the suffering to transform you, transform you into his image. Jesus. Anybody saved by grace besides me? 
Anybody? Okay, let's make this a lot more practical. Do you know some individuals that would make you really uncomfortable if they came into the church and sat six feet away from you? Anybody? <laughs> okay. Now, watch. Watch. Uh, one of Gandhi's most famous statements. Anybody know it? I like your Jesus. I just don't like those Christians. All right. He, he actually discussed that in his autobiography. But he told a story. And the story was that he was reading about Jesus. And the, and the faith of Jesus. And when he read it, he realized that Christianity would defeat the caste system that was destructive of his nation. The destruction of the nation was this. If you were born at a particular level, that's where you always were. You could only go certain places and do certain things. And it, go, it went on and on different levels and different caste systems. So in studying about Christianity, he decided he would go try out Christianity. And so he went to a church. But he went to the wrong church. Because the person that met him at the door saw him saw who he was, and rather than opening their arms to him, they said, what are you doing here at this church? You are in the wrong place, and you and your kind are not welcome here. And they escorted him off of the premises. And it was from that particular wound. Wouldn't it have been great if Mahatma Gandhi would have given his life to the Lord Jesus? You see, we have to constantly be gentle because there are people who, just like you, who are wounded and broken. Anybody agree with what I'm saying? People that have cursed God, people that have done all manner of evil. You know, those people that you see and you never want to be like them. Aren't you glad that somebody welcomed you in the door despite all of your brokenness? And can I tell you, you are here today and you might be living according to the flesh. You might have hurt people. And if I knew all of the things you might I think I would hate you, but can I tell you today, God loves you and Jesus loves you. I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to slap you. No matter what your story is, Hugs Ministry will open the door and open their arms and welcome you and love you because Jesus wants to save your lost soul. Jesus. It's warfare. It's warfare. How many know it's warfare? I want God to save everybody except Fred. Because if he comes in, Fred's dead. We're sending Fred straight to hell. Because, no. That's not the heart of Jesus. His spirit is gentleness. And that gentleness will bring restoration. Philippians 4 and 7 reads this way. Come on, read it out loud with me. Rejoice in the Lord. Wait, what? Say that again. Rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. I, I mean, just that. How many think when it's bad, turn on, the, turn on the happy praise music, okay? Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, set a guard on me, Lord. 
your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Such a wonderful direction. What should I do, Jesus? Just go back to Philippians 4. What should I do? What should I do? Rejoice. Stay gentle. Say it. Stay gentle. Rejoice in the Lord. Stay what? The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for what? Pray. Just, just those opening lines, though. God wants to restore you. And here's a path to restoration. One is rejoice. Two, he says, be gentle. And three, he says, look for the Lord. So listen, how many have seen signs of the time in the evil that's in our culture right now? Things that are happening right now, churches are saying it all the time, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon. Anybody believe Jesus is coming back? He's wrapping this up. So rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Rejoice in the Lord and be gentle. God's taking care of this. How many know at the end he will wrap all of this up? It's not my task right now. A lot of times people talk about being judgmental. And and this is really what I'm saying when I say be judgmental. Give everybody a chance to be saved. Give everybody a chance to be made whole. Yes, you see unrighteousness. Yes, you see ungodliness. But don't judge everybody to hell. Jesus is coming back. And we're living in a time of grace, not fire. There will be fire. Right now there's grace. See all this brokenness in the world. Jesus is coming back. He comforts us. All that stuff in Matthew 24, when you read all of these signs, Jesus is coming back. Wars and rumors of war. There's wars, rumors of war. Yes. Chill. Jesus is coming back. And trust him. I don't understand what's going on. Okay. Anybody does not understand everything that's going on? Trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. And then he moves into that last part. Constantly pray. Do you know that prayer will change your attitude? You can't hate somebody that you're praying for at the same time. Soon as somebody offends you, say, I'll be right back. Go hide in the back seat of your car. Lay on your face before God and pray that God would bless them and that he would help them, that he would restore them. Anybody with this? You say, I can't stand my husband right now. Pray for him. Pray for him. Wrap your arms around him. I know he's been just a bear to live with lately. Get your God bless him. Help him. Heal him. Let him see your love. You can't pray and walk in unforgiveness at the same time. Pray constantly. And then you'll find the peace of God that passes all understanding. Rejoice. Be gentle. Look for the Lord. I said gentleness is strength under pressure. Strength under, say it again, strength under pressure. Strength under pressure. Stand with me. Get your cup in your hand and open it. Look, I'm going to deal with you all. I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be gentle. I ain't going to slap anybody. I'm not. I'm not going to slap nobody. Unless, you know, the Lord lets this guard dog loose. Okay, so. You remember that was the opening of the sermon. Okay, now wait. 
you're about to receive the bread and the cup. So this is the bread. And by, how were you healed? Yeah. By his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. Remember, there's, there's two stories in Scripture that are really important. One is there's a woman who has an issue of blood. What does she do? Touches his garments. She touched him. Came up behind him. Touched him. And Jesus stopped and said, I felt power go out of me. Watch, watch. They're beating Jesus. Ripping his flesh. It's not recorded in Scripture, but here's my revelation. When they hit him, how does he maintain? Because with every wound, with every stripe, hearts are being set free and healed. He didn't cry out. He worshipped Father because he knew you were being set free as he received his wound. Anybody want a part of that? Do you want a part of that? Is there anybody that wants a part of that? Do you? Because when you forgive someone, their sins are removed. Did you get that? Did you hear what I told you? I'm going to retain their sins against them. No. I'm going to forgive those that hurt me. So as you hold this bread in your hand, I want you to realize, yes, they wounded me, but I'm forgiving them. I want to be like Jesus. This gentle piece of bread, his broken flesh. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it and remember me. Receive the body of Christ. And then the blood of Jesus? Really? You're going to take this and walk in anger and hate? I can't do it. Jesus says, don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't. I forgive. I don't know who hurt you, who wounded you. But Jesus loves you. And he forgave you. And his blood was spilled to forgive you. Jesus said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant that's poured out for you. Take it and remember. Take it. No, I get it. Some of you are still greatly wounded and you're struggling heavily right now. So I want to pray for you personally. I want to meet you here. I want to meet you right here. I want to meet you because there are those of you that are struggling greatly. Some of you are online right now and you're struggling heavily in your life. There's great pain in your life because of what others have done. But I want you to lose your anger. I want you to be free. Some, some people say, Pastor, I can't believe you're saying this. If you knew what happened to me, look, don't play with me. I've been hurt. I've been attacked. I, I can't comp compare my pain to some of yours. I can't. But I've been wounded, I've been assaulted, I've been attacked. I've been abused as a child. I get it. I get some of it. Maybe not like you, but I got my own pain. And I tell you, God has healed me time and time again when I forgave somebody who wounded me. Some of you have wounds and hurts in your heart. Some of you need to give your life up to Jesus. You, you, I lost you at the first point. 
And I just told you that gentleness was power and gentleness was strength. That's why you need Holy Spirit. You need to give your life to Jesus. You're online right now. Surrender yourself to Jesus and welcome Holy Spirit in your life. Close your eyes. Everybody in the room, just close your eyes. Where are those in this room right now that even though you've heard this, you're struggling because of the wounds and the hurt that are in your life? Could you lift your hands and wave at me and say, Pastor, this is a mess for me. I'm really hurt here. This is, I, I, I understand, but it hurts. Put your hand down. I'm going to let you hold that as a secret right now, just for a moment. But I'm going to invite you, as we close the service, to meet me at the front of the building. Meet me at this altar area. We could pray together. We could begin to, to forgive together. We could. Will you do that? Consider it. Will you just consider it? Those of you who need to give your life to Jesus today, maybe you need to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. One of the reasons that it's hard to forgive is you've never had a true revelation of your own forgiveness. But no matter what your sin is, I welcome you to the altar so that the Lord will forgive you. Can I tell you this? Unforgiveness is also sinful. I'm not trying to put guilt on you. I'm trying to set you free. When you leave this place today, I want you to walk in the gentleness of the Spirit of God. Come on, let's just worship Him right where we are. Everybody, just worship Him. Everybody worship Him. Those of you who want to meet me at the altar, just you can begin to slip out of your seat. Just slip out and begin to come and just stand here with me. Come on, come and stand with me. I love you, Shanice. I love you, buddy. Hey, sis. Hey, Debbie. Just, just bow your heads as you come. Just bow your heads and come. Praise you, Jesus. Some of you come and serve me. Come and serve. Come and serve. Oh, I love that song we're playing. Love that song. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. There is none. <laughs> There's none like you. There is none like you would you right where you're standing around the room would you just pray with somebody that's nearby I know if you're standing by yourself and can't touch one another I totally understand but would you pray for one another the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you and give you peace be dismissed after you prayed for one another